everyone, and welcome to the classroom. Hey, how's it going, guys? I think it just gets more rushed. I'm like, I'm going to see if I can get Hello, everybody. Welcome to the classroom. Today we're reading Percy Jackson on the Battle of the Labyrinth. That has the same energy. What's the... The like rap god song. Some of them never see you. Some of them you want to do to get it through to you. Who being an energetic man? No, I lost you, it at the end. You there. you did so good. Okay. Um. Anyhow, we're talking Battle of the Labyrinth. Um. I'm gonna be honest. That's about how my brain feels after reading Battle of yeah, the Labyrinth. Yeah. Um. This is. I'm not sure. I want to say this is closest to, like, either Goblet of Fire, or a Goblet of Fire Chamber of Secrets. In that, like, a lot of it happens and a lot of it is important, but at the same time. There's big swaths where it's like I, I'm not paying attention. My brain turned off three pages ago. I gotta go back. Right. It's it's very fast paced, and we're gonna talk a lot about that as we get into the book itself too. Mm-hmm. So speaking of getting into the book itself, what are your immediate opinions? Okay. Mister, I've never read the series before. <laughs> I will say so far, I think this is my least favorite of the series. That's reasonable. Um, I I don't know. I it's. It it just feels a little bit stickier. I still think it's good. I I'm not like right. hating on it too much, but I do think this is the my least favorite of it. Uh, like like we said, there's a couple things that we'll we'll talk on, but I think the battles are a little strange in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that Tyson ha- like shows like a lot more emotion, and he seems a little bit more of a character in this instead of just being like slightly dopey, happy-go-lucky, but good with tools. I I thought it was funny that he was uh what was it. Uh, he was. He just kept yelling out what he was supposed to be doing, and and I think Pictionary or charades. Uh, but he was extremely good at Monopoly. I thought that was fun. Uh, someone who was horrible at Monopoly. Um, I like the concept of the labyrinth just sort of being anywhere because it's too big to fit anywhere else. I thought that was fun. Um, overall, I, I liked it. I I. Everything else I think we're going to cover in the episodes. Um, yeah. I like Rachel Elizabeth there. I don't think that that's, from what I've heard, is the most popular opinion, but I, I like her. <laughs> All right. Well, then, we will go ahead and dive right on to the series, to the book for today. Da-na-na-da! Starting off with I Battle the Cheerleading Squad. Of course, we are dropped right into Percy's, not really first day of high school, but high school, like, like tour day. Yeah, it's the, I think it's the like the new student orientation, yeah. NSO day. Um, specifically, it's into his mom's boyfriend's school. Um, Paul has pulled some strings to get him there. And in the car ride there, Sally Jackson is just like, for the love of God, Percy, just just don't mess up. And he's like, okay, mom. And then he messes up. Mm-hmm. Um, not his fault. There are some monsters waiting for him disguised as two cheerleaders. Um, he sees that one Rachel Elizabeth there goes to the same school as him. And um, it turns out, of course, we know she can see through the through the mist. And she is able to save him. And he, in turn, blows up the band room of the high school, runs out, physically runs into Annabeth. <laughs> Annabeth's like, oh, hey, you're early. And he's like, Haha, it's a funny story. And Annabeth's like, is that building on fire? And he's like, it is. And... Um, yeah, and then we get a little bit of tension between Annabeth and Percy because of Rachel and the fact that Percy has told Rachel things um, specifically about their heritage and stuff, um, in which they race to Camp Half-Blood, and then uh, which drops us on the doorsteps of the Underworld sends me a prank call. So uh, uh, Percy and Annabeth are riding back in their uh, sort of taxi. Uh, so they're both sort of angry a little bit. Um, Percy got, like, uh, Rachel's number scrawled on her hand, and he's staring at that for a little bit. Uh, and they get back to camp. 
and they both feel that there's something off as if there's some tension in the air. Um, and Percy goes, uh-oh, hold on. What's that I see? That's a hellhound. Let me go up and try to kill it. But it stopped at the last moment uh, by somebody named uh, Quintus. 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 Yeah. F- five, five in Greek. Five man, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, and he, he's like, hey, I'm, uh, I- I'm the new instructor. Please don't kill that. That's my that's my pet. That's I, I love Mrs. O'Leary. <laughs> Mrs. O'Leary, She's the so the hellhound. Very I love fun. Her. I love what was it? It's a it's a, a black mastiff with two heads. Basically, yeah. Uh, no, it only has one head. It it's only just has a hell, one. It's just a generic hellhound. Yeah, okay, it's only got one head. I just imagine it like I'm not a huge dog person, but I would definitely vibe with Mrs. Mrs. O'Leary. <laughs> Be like, yeah. I also want to know how I she like got the name. Is she married? Is she, like is Mrs. O'Leary married? Like, where's the? She's a widow. It was a very <laughs> sad story. There's a there's an offshoot that you can read <laughs> later. I just I love her. Side side note. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so he goes. Oh, okay. Uh, and then they find out that Mr. D is away right now, uh, dealing with some godly stuff. Uh, which Pretty is kind, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is kind of out of character for him, but whatever. Uh, and then we also uh, see that in the past three months, a lot has changed. Uh, Grover has like a sort of a formal hearing with the Council of Elders because he is they they think that he has been given like false information about Pan and mm-hmm. he's lying so he's like oh, we're taking you off duty uh, so they're talking for a little bit we meet that uh, Grover has a girlfriend named Juniper uh, who is a uh, a dryad or a nymph she's a nymph she is a nymph and specifically a dryad okay it's like every all of these spirits are nymph but they are specifically like dryads and i can't remember the one for the for the water but yes uh yes naids. You're lo- <laughs> yeah, yeah, naids, yeah okay um and then he he they're sort of sad about that and they they find out that there's something he can do but they they not no one's really telling him at the moment uh it's like there's something we can do but i don't want to do it so we're not gonna do it uh and then there's a there's sort of just getting getting used to things again uh but then near at the end uh Percy is like going to sleep in the cabin. Uh, Tyson's there chilling out. Uh, he gets a random Iris message that he did not call on uh, of what is happening to Nico currently. Uh, and he sees that he's talking with this dead dude and he's trying to bring back Bianca and has to trade a soul for a soul in order to do it. And then the message cuts off. Um, I think it's important to note too that um, they've been looking for Nico the entire yes, spring. and could not find him. Percy, Annabeth, and Grover, all three of them have been taking turns trying to find where Nico is, and they just haven't. Because, of course, last book we see him running away from camp. Um, he's 11 years old. That's so sad. It's oh sad, we'll, and also we'll, we'll talk about that must later. have been hard to do. Right, we'll talk about that later. But uh, um, And, of course, we're um, in Chapter 3, the, we play tag with Scorpions. Uh, we get a little bit of a tasteful what looks to be a, a tournament arc going hey. and they immediately end it. Yeah, um, and so um, the the bro, uh, five man whose name has literally just exited the back of my brain, um, he's like, okay, I'm gonna sign you guys in pairs, and you guys are gonna work together, and you gotta get to capture these these uh, headband thingies. Um, and you gotta fight the monsters that are guarding them. You gotta and do it whoever, now, do it loud. Whoever gets it wins. And of course, he pairs Percy and Annabeth together. Like, oh yeah, we're good, we're golden. Mm-hmm. Um, but he pairs Tyson and Grover up, and neither of them are happy because Grover is afraid of Tyson, but Tyson doesn't like Grover mainly because Tyson's allergic to goat fur. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, he scares me. He I don't like sneeze. who's. 
It's so, it's, ugh. anyhow. Um, so we also learned that Chris Rodriguez, this miscellaneous son of Hermes, had been wandering through the labyrinth and it appeared to Clarice in Phoenix, which is what started the quest that that was mentioned last book of Clarice's like secret quest for Chiron. Mm-hmm. Um, in which after she found him, Chris, we um, we see, I think later that he's just in the big house out of it. Yeah. But anyhow, um, he's mentioned here and what is really happening. And he's just been mumbling about the string, which will lead them, could guide somebody through the labyrinth. And um, during the during their little, little game, Percy and Annabeth, in three scorpions come upon them and are attacking them. And Percy's like, I could take, we could take one. We could, with luck, take two, but three is too many. We just have to get out of here. And June Ripper's like, squeeze through that hole. Just escape through that cave. I'll have somebody come get you. Um, that doesn't work because they end up in the labyrinth. Um, and they think, Percy and Annabeth think they're only in there for like a couple minutes. Uh, no, they've been in there for an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Tyson, um, Tyson Grover... Chiron and I believe Clarice are the ones that find them afterward and they're like oh my gosh um, and that's when they kind of start dwelling on the fact that they have to be able to get into the labyrinth because they have an inkling that Luke is trying to use the labyrinth to break into camp mm-hmm. um, so I, I've lost completely where I'm at text wise I'm just going to keep rambling until we don't, get a chapter worry. stop um, until I visibly see a chapter stop um, and of course, uh, it's decided by the, they, they gather a war council, which is just the heads of all the cabins, um, to devise who is going to do this quest, who is going to have to go on this quest to kind of scope out what's happening. Yeah. And they're like, mm, Annabeth, and Annabeth's like, uh, wait, uh, I guess. Jeez. Um, and so she goes up to the Oracle to get the quest. Um, we see, of course, Percy accidentally eavesdrops onto Clarice trying to comfort Chris Rodriguez and mm-hmm. try to like keep him sane. Very sad but also kind of out of character for Cl- for Clarice. Yeah. But I don't know. I, we'll talk on that a little bit later too. But um Annabeth comes back down from the Oracle and she's obviously a little freaked out um and she has decided she wants to take Percy, Grover and Tyson on this quest with her. And of course we get the prophecy that's going to kind of guide the the pipeline for this um, and they decide, okay, well, we'll go, we'll go on the quest. Let's do this. Uh, that night, Percy is um, in. Obviously, they're all trying to get some sleep uh, before the quest, and Percy is in his cabin. Wakes up to the um, to the dreams. Yeah, to the. He has a couple of very vivid dreams that freak mm-hmm. him out, and then another Iris message, in which I think it's just rehashing what he had seen before. Um, yeah, but in slightly more detail. Yeah, we get a little he, bit more detail about what he also sees him meet with uh, Theseus. Yeah, as well, further setting up like, oh no, it's the it's the labyrinth and stuff like that. Right, this like fear of the labyrinth, um, and. It says that Tyson then found Percy the next morning sitting in the ruins of the of the fountain in mm-hmm. the back of the cabin. And then, uh, of course, Percy, Tyson, Grover, and Annabeth all disappear into the labyrinth, yes. kicking off the next chapter, which I think I've talked through so many chapters. We're now in chapter six. Yes. <laughs> um, I, also, uh, something that happened. Uh, they were told that you should never take more than three, three. people on a journey. Uh, which is why he was like, uh, you sure you need to take Tyson and Grover? Like, maybe just one of them. 
Um, which like, and like, that's why we find out that the one previously had gone so wrong that they took five and then mm-hmm. two people died. So three people technically came back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they, they were told it's not a bad, it's not a good idea, but they, excuse me, they were told it wasn't a, a good idea, but Annabeth said it was the only way they were going to come out alive at all. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. So, uh, chapter six, we meet, uh, the God with two faces. So this is while they're sort of uh, rumbling around in the labyrinth. They're getting lost. Like they said, like within 100 feet, they already had no idea where they were going. Uh, so well, because they, well, they learned that the, the, the labyrinth kind of uses what you're thinking against you. So Annabeth's yes. like, you know, just follow the left-hand wall. And then, of course, the left-hand wall just disappears. Mm-hmm. And Grover's or um, Tyson's like, ooh, left walls are mean. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, continue. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so it is like physically changing around you and there's no way that you can get through. Uh, so, so they're getting lost. It keeps changing around them. Uh, there's really no way you can get through without like knowing your way around. Um, and because of that, they're sort of like faced with a whole, whole bunch of choices and they come up against this dude with two different heads on him, uh, named Janus, mm-hmm. uh, which is the God of doors and choices. Uh, and it's sort of like harassing them and being like, Hey, you gotta make this choice. You gotta make this choice. Annabeth. You got to choose between uh, these two people. What uh, what are you going to do? Like, we don't quite know what that choice is yet. But then somebody shows up and is like, hey, uh, Janus, get that get that out of here. Um, and uh, it's Hera, uh, I think wife wife of Zeus. Yeah, the queen of the gods. Yes. Uh, and they talk a little bit. She's like, oh, I'll grant you one wish. And Percy's like, okay, tell us how to get through the maze. And she's like, you already know how to do that. And it's Annabeth like, gets so mad. It's like the least useful person here. Thank you, Hera. I, Annabeth's anger at Hera is so funny to me. She like freaks out. She's like, she comes in here with her stupid sandwiches and tells <laughs> us useless knowledge. Maybe just maybe she could do something else with her time. And I'm mm-hmm. like, <laughs> that continues. That is a sentiment that Annabeth continues for a while. Because yeah, because not she, just in this book, but like, yeah, she shows up and gives them like food and stuff, and like cleans them up, and it's like, oh, thank you, that's appreciated, and then like, d- like does nothing information wise, and kind of just wastes their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that that's not great for them. Um, which plops us into Tyson leads a jailbreak, in which they continue to wander through the labyrinth, and they realize. Um, Hera, the door that Hera kind of guides them to is actually a prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tyson's just like, oh my gosh, these are, you know, these are the old, like the old people. I recognize this language. Um, and Annabeth's like, I recognize this place. We're in Alcatraz. And we're like, okay. Um, Gone quite far. Right. Which, and it shows again, like the labyrinth mm-hmm. could take you anywhere. In a sh- even though it's a, sh- it manipulates time and distance. They have went from Long Island, New York to wherever to San Francisco, is, yeah, pretty quickly. Um, and then, so Tyson comes through, and he's like, "Listen, there's I, I hear some things." Um, of course, Tyson translates what the people are saying. This awful dragon woman. He translates what she's saying, and they're like, "Oh my gosh." Uh, we realized that these, like, this one of this, like, great kind of mythos people, specifically for Tyson, um, the great hundred-handed one, is also imprisoned in Alcatraz, uh, in which Tyson breaks it open for him. He's like, ah, I got you. Come on, hundred-handed one. You you are so strong and so mighty. Please help us. And he goes, <laughs> no. 
nah, no. I don't really feel like it. I am just, I am just a simple boy. How dare I try to fight? And Tyson's mm-hmm. like, you're literally one of the most powerful beings. Just fight. And then you have a hundred hands. That's and then the hundred times more than us. And then the hundred handed one is like, no. Yeah, no thanks. Um, I'll, I'll play rock paper scissors instead. Right. And then Percy's like, listen, either you come with, I will play rock paper scissors. If I win, you come with <laughs> us. If not, you can stay here and die. And Annabeth's like, Percy, this is a dumb idea. And, Annabeth, and then Percy's like, no, 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 I got it. And then pulls a gun. Like, not a real gun, but like a finger gun. Actually, I'm just imagining Percy pulling a Glock out of his pocket. He's like, follow me. <laughs> it's it's like that It's like that TikTok audio. It's like, thank you all for coming. Now I have some news. I have, <laughs> I have a, a gun. <laughs> yes. I've never. Oh, my gosh. I, uh, same vibe. Different flavor. <laughs> um and he was, and then of course Percy wins, and he's like, oh, "Demigods are cheaters! How dare they!" And Percy's like, "Come on, just walk." Um, except the weird demon woman downstairs, whose name is Compe, Compe. Yes, yes, Compe. Okay. Um, she's downstairs, realizes they're escaping. Uh, Percy's like, "Okay, come on, let's get out of here." Uh, Tyson then tries to. Tyson's like, "Okay, you have, you guys have to get to safety. I will risk my life for you." Uh, Percy throws his shield that Tyson made him at the beast to try to save them, get them some time. Uh, Tyson manages to shimmy the door, break it uh, to protect them, and of course they are back into the labyrinth again, but now with the hundred-handed one. Um, which puts puts us to uh, we visit the Demon Dude Ranch. I never even paid attention to that title, and I <laughs> love it so much. It's very fun. Um, but yeah. Uh, so in, in this chapter, uh, they're, they're wandering around for a while, and then, uh, sorry, they're, they're wandering around for a while in this chapter. After, after the hundred hand one just yes. yates. After he's like, hey, yeah, uh, by the way, I'm going to go. Uh, and I'll then Percy gets sort of the, the feeling that Nico's down here as well. Uh, he was like, oh, that, that's how he's able to escape. That, that's got to be it. He, he just wandered into it from the camp. Uh, and then they're sort of uh, wand- wandering for a bit. And then they find themselves into a... Uh, Oh, also, uh, he gets another dream. Sorry. Um, Percy gets another dream of the the scene where Daedalus and Icarus, uh, like, their their wings fall apart and they die. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, though, he goes to a – he finds himself into this weird farm full of mythical animals, which uh, is the same place that um, Quintus got his scorpions from for the original challenge at the beginning. Uh, and it's like there is a there's a demigod there, a half-blood slash now actual god that has been granted immortality uh and a creature i'm not quite sure like a three torsoed cowboy yeah. a three torsoed cowboy <laughs> which like did he have six pairs of legs i did because he said so. he it said he had two arms maybe it said maybe he had he four armpits had, two arms maybe he just had separate torsos I was just imagining three various pairs of assless chaps. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Um, um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But it, it, hard, hard to imagine. Uh, this dude is like, hey, we run this uh, farm full of mythical animals that we 
may or may not have the rights to be doing with what we do. Right. They're murdering the sacred sacred animal of Apollo, the, yes. the like the the red cattle. Yes. Um, he's like, "Oh, they make good hamburgers. Everybody likes them." Also, here's these really rare, rare chicken eggs. We don't yeah. we don't let them reproduce. We just use the eggs cuz they make the best omelets. And Beth's like, "That's not okay." And they're like, "Shut up, girl. It is okay." Mm-hmm. And then uh so he's like, "Also, uh somebody paid for your safe travel." Uh, so keep that in mind. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, and they find Nico. Yes. And they also find, they also find Nico there. Uh, and they're like, hey, can we, can we get him? He's like, no. It's like. I'm selling him to Kronos. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sell him. It's like, okay, what if we, uh. Oh, we scoop what, some poop. Yeah. What, what if we clean this stable? And he goes, okay, sure. But you got by sundown. So he's got to clean the stable full of flesh eating horses. Was that in the original Hercules myth? I don't know if that was the original myth, but that's definitely now I, the like, flesh eating part is mythos. Okay, but that's, I'm not I know, sure if I that was, was part of the original. I knew it was cleaning myth. the stables mm-hmm. because they use the water. I didn't re- realize that it was flesh eating. I thought that it was just like he had Hercules had to finish his chores before he went out to play. <laughs> like I, 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 I guess I didn't really think about that one, which yeah, then no. leads into the next chapter. I scoop poop, um, and of course. That is just basically Percy, because of course Percy could talk to the horses, and the horses are like, ooh, tasty half-blood. He's like, no, 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 no. I just got to clean your cage. Please don't kill me. And they were like, lol, okay. Um, But then Percy goes down to the water, and he's like, I don't even know where to start. I just, I'm going to just pray to Poseidon and see what happens. And one of the little, the naiads comes up and is like, hey, scoop up some of that sand right there. And he (laughs) does. And they were like, yes. Here you go. Figured it out. He has a... Dr- also, I forgot. He has a dream about... There's a lot of dreams. There's like a dream per chapter at this point. Um, oh, no. He... Um, that's what it was. Because I just seen Rachel's name. He... Um, the uh, the naiad reminds him of Rachel and like how he t- how mm-hmm. she talks. Um, so then, of course, the naiad's like, well, you just throw those shells on the ground and out pops water. And he's like, ah, yes. Yeah. And he just throws some shells at some horses. Which- which I thought was fun. That wasn't even like, it's not like that was like a magic item he had or something. It was just that anything remotely of the sea, he can will to have Indeed. water there. Yeah. And so, of course, he just bathes the horses and they're so mad. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh my God, how dare he? But at the same time, they're like, please just stop. We'll do whatever you say. Just please stop at the water. <laughs> and he was like, ah, yes. Okay, don't eat people that you're not being fed. And he's like, right. Flat, fair enough. So uh, he rolls on back and he's like, ah cattle are done um and he walks in in the middle of their of the barbecue that uh that uh giran Mm -hmm. is preparing and he's like all right let him go let my friends go i clean the stables he's like ah you didn't say you swore on the river sticks so uh psych have fun and percy's like well i guess i'm just gonna have to kill you and of course he can't just cut him in half because he's like "Ah, i have multiple Mm -hmm. parts he he regenerates too quick and the only killing blow we can really get on him is a heart. So he has to do that three times. And it's right. And so Percy then, he's like, ah, idea. He runs into the house, throws away his weapon, picks up a bow, prays to both Apollo and Artemis, and is like, just let this arrow fly straight. Let me do what I need to do. And it does. It goes through all three of the hearts at the same time. Um, and so then he walks outside, and he's like, cool, he's dead. Um, they have a, They enjoy the feast. <laughs> Uh, sacrifice most of the food to, um, yeah, 
most of the food to Artemis and Apollo. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, random demigod dude who's vibing here, you take care of Nico. He can't come with us. Um, but take care of him. Also take care of the animals, please. Because you know, Percy asks him, like, how long is it going to take for this bro to reform? He's like, ah, at least 100 years. Mm-hmm. He's like, good. Take care of the animals. Take care of yourself. And maybe, just maybe, the guy's like, Ooh, what if I become more like animal friendly? What if we we focus away <laughs> what from if we start, killing them? What if we start having some free range wild horses? And Percy's like, yeah, go for it, all right. And they, of course, then disappear back into the labyrinth with Nico in tow, right? Um, is this where they bring in Nico? Yeah, because yes. they because they You're also right. they use uh the root beer and some of the food from the feast to contact summon um. Bianca, yeah, Bianca, who we realize who is who sent Percy the multiple iris messages, mm-hmm. um, and Bianca warned Nico and was like, "Listen, the biggest, the fatal flaw of Children of Hades is holding grudges. I held a grudge against you. Please do not hold grudges." And Nico's like, "Fine." Annabeth was, and then Annabeth is ultimately who considers um, to like kind of lure Nico in with them as well. And so, yeah, that was that's in the next chapter is when. Oh, was it? Yeah, next chapter is when they they summon Bianca and she has all that conversation and stuff. Oh. Okay. Um, and I, cause I thought they left Nico there. I thought it said, but I thought it was like I hope the gods like root beer because he needed to use his uh, his like like what was it? He summoned him with Coke and hamburgers. Yeah, well, so that's I thought it was they, like they, root yeah, beer. No, and, yeah, oh, they, okay. yeah, they use the root beer to summon um various ghosts specifically minos also appears and he goes like go away i hate you go away no oh, i guess you're right yeah sorry and then they leave because they um they all crash and of course percy gets his other dream in which we see that that luke is getting closer to raising chronos mm-hmm. um and that uh the the compe is going to be a big pivotal piece in that Percy also gets another dream, specifically of Daedalus, um, and specifically when he kills his nephew. Um, and it freaks Percy out because the nephew is the same age as Nico. And then um, Percy, you know, next they wake up, they keep going. Uh, actually, at 2 o'clock in the morning, Grover's just chowing on the remote watching the <laughs> History Channel. Or Discovery Channel, which is a little freaky. He's like, I miss Juniper, but he's watching the Nature Channel. Yeah, I thought that that was like... A little gross. Uh-huh. I was like, is that like... But maybe not with people around. Like, like... like <laughs> you know. Um, anyhow. Um, and we see kind of Grover panicking. Um, yeah, no, Nico stays with uh, with the random guy at the ranch. Okay. Um, my, and, sorry, Percy that's, that's tells my him, fault. Because Percy tells him, like, hey... You could come with us, um, and yet again because he was freaked out. Um, and then it's it's Annabeth who tells him like, "Listen, um, Bianca would just want you to be okay. Think where your head's at. Like, do whatever you need to do." And then that's when Europeton, um, the random demigod dude, agrees to take care of Percy or take care of Nico. Um, and then Europeton is like, "Hey, I have something that'll help you. Specifically, it's uh, this thing that Hephaestus probably left me." Um, use it and it'll take it to you. Take it, to, take you to him. Uh, it's a spider. Annabeth freaks out because it's a spider. Um, but they so they follow the spider and they end up running into a sphinx the moment they appear into the lab. Yeah, and the sphinx is like 
obviously, a whole thing is the riddle. Except instead of riddles, she is asking Annabeth the ACT. <laughs> uh-huh, just random trivia. Fill in this uh, the Scantron, please. And Percy's like, this is stupid. Annabeth also says this is stupid. And Percy's she's like, like, hey, let's not criticize it until after you've won. And she's like, no, 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 this is BS. I'm a child of Athena. I am supposed to be very smart. Do not ask me which president wrote the Emancipation Bloc- uh, Proclamation. Proclamation. That is, uh, like, I know that stuff. She was very angry that they were not... Things that she had to think about, yes. And then um, a little bit of Annabeth's hubris is showing there. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, of course, uh, Percy runs in, destroys the grading machine. He's like, all right, come on, keep going, let's go. Uh, Just in case they were getting ready to lose the spider. (laughs) Um, And then that drops us into uh, Chapter 11, I Set Myself on Fire. Uh, So they're sort of, uh, they're they're chasing the spider uh, a little bit more, uh, trying to figure things through. Uh, And then all of a sudden, they find themselves at Hephaestus's place, uh, the god of tinkering and uh, and such. Um, and he, they're sort of they have a fun little interaction there of him not really caring about them like at all. It's like, huh, who are you? And like they had already met before, and it's just completely perplexed and bewildered by their, uh, but also like like completely apathetic basically to their entirety of everything. Uh, he he also gets a little bit mad when they bring up like, oh, we're looking for Daedalus. That's where the that's the that's what the spider was doing. Turns out it was it was pres- presumably broken, and that's why it took him to him. Uh, he fixes it up for him, uh, sends it on their way, uh, and he was like, "No, nah, you should." Uh, by the way, just be just be careful as you're going through. Uh, things may not be like quite on the up and up. Um, what else was there in there? We get the weird explaining of how, despite the fact, um. Athena is a virgin goddess. How she has children. Oh yeah, yeah. Just so fair. weird. Um, and, and also Hephaestus says the weird thing that it's like, hey, uh, yeah. If, it's it, such a shame your mom decided sh- to never marry. Yeah, it's like, huh? You're married currently. To Aphrodite. To Aphrodite. Well. Um, but yeah, that's where we get the weird explanation. Um. We also see the split Tyson and Grover take off on their mm, own. Yes. Um, because Gro- uh, Grover gets the sense that Pan is nearby. Um, so they take off, and then Percy and Annabeth continue on their way. Um, specifically, they're now in Mount St. Helen. Mm-hmm. And they realize that there are there are demons, the, like the... The Telkins. The Telkins, yeah, are vibing there. And they're like, ooh, demigods, time to eat them. Which I could not get a good mental picture of them. Mm-hmm. It was like goat, scorpion, dog, person? Or maybe just I scorpion that, dog person. Yeah, like scorpion dog person. Um, and then, so Percy's like, Annabeth, put on your hat, disappear. We'll figure this out. And Percy then, um, you know, mm-hmm. he he's on the platform, like, trying to fight them off. Yes. Uh, and then after basically getting down to the lava lake-esque place that is vibing at the bottom of this mm-hmm. volcano. This sort of forge. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was Hephaestus's old forge. Mm-hmm. They were trying to forge a new, I think they said the ultimate weapon. Mm-hmm. Previously, they had made Poseidon's cool trident. Mm-hmm. And and so we get the scene between Percy and Annabeth there. Where he's, she's just like, be careful, whatever you have to do. They kiss um, and then Percy has that line. He's like, I would have sat there all day and probably forgot what my name was <laughs> if it wasn't in mortal danger. Um, and to which he, he starts to try to fight um, the best he can while Annabeth kind of – he works as a distraction to help hopefully get that Annabeth can solve the problem she needs to solve. Um, but then he gets exploded, um, and 
the last line of that chapter is he was i was a comet hurling towards the earth um and then um chapter 12 i take a permanent vacation in which he just wakes up on an island yeah <laughs> Uh, so after he explodes, uh, he exploded. <laughs> he explodes. He wakes up on this island uh, with uh, so, some random woman nursing him back to health, feeding him nectar. And he's like, uh, "Who are you?" Because last time I woke up on an island, uh, it was not great. And I, I got was, turned into a guinea. I got pig. turned into a straight up guinea pig. Uh, and he's like, "Oh, uh, my name's Calypso. Uh, I'm." I she it takes a little bit. He's there for about like two weeks. She's like. I was forever cursed here. I am a son of Apollo, not Apollo. Um, Child of Atlas. Atlas, yeah. yes. She is the I daughter said, of. I said son. I meant daughter. <laughs> yeah, she's the daughter of Atlas, and then Percy's like, "Hey, I know, I knew a daughter of Atlas, but she never got punished just because her dad was who it was." And Eclipse was like, "No, no, no. I supported him in the first Titan mm-hmm. War." And then Percy's like, oh. "Yeah, he he was he was also like, which I thought I liked this part of it, which was a." Uh, he was like, "Oh, did you not? Why'd you why'd you fight with him? Did you not realize he was evil?" And it's like, "Isn't the only reason you're supporting the gods right now because you're their son? Would you?" And there was like, "Would you really support the gods if you were not related to them?" Mm-hmm. Which brings up these sort of like, it's not that it's anti-family message of this, but it's, it is sort of a, it's better Challenge to choose it. your family and mm-hmm. cha- like there's you don't need to willingly put blind loyalty into them, which is what Percy does. It's his entire flaw. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fun. Um. And then he finds out that uh, uh, Hephaestus shows back up. It's like, hey, uh, you got to get gone. Uh, make a decision in the morning. You got to make a decision. Best time to make a decision is at, I think they said daybreak. Yeah. Uh, he's, so he decides, okay, I got to leave. Uh, I know I'm not going to be able to come back, even though I like you, Calypso, and it's fun to be here, and I don't want to leave you. Uh, but I am more loyal to other people. So he leaves on a magic raft never to come back. And the magical raft, of course, washes up on the shores of Camp Half-Blood in the middle of his own funeral. Yes, that um, was... Which is so so melodramatic of Percy. Um, you know, we have Annabeth, who has just obviously been distraught for two weeks. She's, uh, she's described as her eyes being puffy. She looks upset. Um, but he, she is getting ready to burn his shawl, which is a, a Greek tradition in which mm-hmm. they burn the, um, the shroud of fallen demigods specifically. And so he, she's getting ready to burn his shroud um and percy's like what's up gang um actually in the middle of her speech she's like he was probably the bravest friend i ever have he's he's right there (laughs) (laughs) which is like the equivalency of that stupid meme where it's Mm -hmm. like sometimes i can still hear his voice quit telling everybody i'm dead (laughs) he still speaks to me sometimes but the opposite yeah um of course all the campers are like whoa, Percy's alive. Beckendorf specifically is like, yes. <laughs> um, and Clarice just rolls her eyes like, freaking course he showed up to his own funeral. Um, Annabeth just freaks out. She was just like, where have you been? You've been lost, lost, really? Um, and Chiron's like, hey, let up on him. He tells them everything except for Calypso. He, um, he just tells them, like, I woke up on an island. Festus visited me. I got a magical raft out of here. Of course, Chiron immediately knows exactly mm-hmm. what had happened, but Annabeth doesn't click it, it together. Yeah, she she looks like she might have an inkling of what happened, but mm-hmm. she if so, she does not say anything on it. Yeah, but then we do see that Annabeth uh, gets a little little dose of jealousy in this too, um, which fuels a lot of her aggression at Percy right now in this chapter. Um, and then she was, and then Chiron was like, "Listen, Percy, um, you, I'll have you guys appear in Manhattan tomorrow." 
um oh percy tells them i have an idea i think i know what what we need and that is a mortal guide specifically a mortal who can see through the mist mm-hmm. which of course leads to rachel elizabeth there which also fuels a lot of annabeth's jealousy there um so he Chiron's like hey listen i'll take you to new york in the morning uh, you need to visit your mom she thinks you're dead Percy's like, okay, what about Tyson and Grover? And, and Chiron's like, listen, they haven't made it out of the maze yet. Nobody's heard from them. Um, and then we see that Chris Rodriguez has just went absolutely more crazy. Um, he's not dead, but getting close to it. Um, and we get another interaction between Percy and um, specifically Mrs. O'Leary, um, in which Clarice is talking um Clary stops and talks to him and is like, hey, listen, you find Daedalus, don't trust him. Uh, anybody who makes something like that can't be a good person. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Which offers a different kind of question there, which is really unique coming from Clarice, I think. Yeah. But it's is pretty cool. Um, of course, Percy has another dream in which he um, gets the... Uh, Kind of the tale of uh, Cocalus and Minos, the Minos being the ghost that Nico has been using to kind of get with the dead. Um. <laughs> he, he and we also find out that he basically just fully wants revenge on Daedalus, which is mm-hmm. why he is helping out Nico so much. Right, and then then we also learn that um, another dream we see that Luke has been. Um, in, he's in the lab trying to find his way out of the maze. And then um, there's just the line. It's like there's a half-blood wandering alone in the maze. And Luke is like, oh, is there? Maybe, maybe he'll be a benefit for this. And Percy freaks out, wakes up. He's like, of course, I know it's Nico. Mm-hmm. Um, which Annabeth then confirms later that morning, um, in which she received an iris message from Hurton is like, hey, Nico vanished. So Percy's like, Luke's found him. Yeah. And... They pop up in um, in Manhattan, visit Percy's mom, and she's just like, it'll be okay. You'll figure this out. Don't die, please. So he calls Rachel uh, Rachel Dare. Um, she's painted gold in the middle of Times Square. For um, a fundraiser. For Such a, a strange fundraiser. fundraiser for a 14-year-old. Right. Um, and she's like, oh, I know exactly what we're looking for. There's one in the basement of the Marriott. And Annabeth's like, what? And she's like, yes, I can see the exact path we need. Come on. Um, to which my my brother duels me to the death. Yes. Uh, so we get a little bit more on Rachel there. She, like, not only can she see through the mist, but she kind of has, like, a little bit of clairvoyance when it comes to that sort of stuff. And she knows where things need to go. So we have her sort of leading them through, getting a little bit more information on, like, the whole the whole lowdown of like oh yeah my brother's a psych uh my brother's a cyclops uh my friend's a satyr we're looking for him right now uh she has this very keen intuition of just getting led through like it's like under the trap go left get ready stop right here uh but they get led into a sort of like dungeon area and like slash arena uh and they see luke is there and so is a child of poseidon and gaia who is like, hey, uh, I just want to... I believe they say he looks like a sumo wrestler as well. So they, he's like, I just want to see death and like entertaining fights. So he makes... Uh, Luke sort of like sets up and says, hey, Percy, 
you're fighting in this arena to the death you're going to die make it look cool please um he fights off with a guy uh this uh easy character just kills him instantly almost almost Everybody's dead. so mad yeah like, why'd like, you kill him so fast you did that quick you didn't even wait like it was like six seconds um and then he fights somebody named ethan nakamura uh which, another demigod yes another demigod with an eye patch uh, and who is like a pretty, pretty skilled fighter, pretty good. Um, and he, he gets him, but he decides not to kill him even when he's told to, uh, which then prompts, um, I forget the, I forget the name of the guy, uh, but the, the other brother, uh, the other son of Poseidon to jump down and fight with him. Uh, and Percy sort of makes sure he gets him off the ground. Cause anytime he's on the ground, he is healing, uh, and is able to kill him and finish him off. By hanging him from the ceiling by his loincloth. Yes, by his loincloth from like these chains, uh, and then he and then they sort of just like take that opportunity to book it out of there, away from Luke and his gang. Using Mrs. O'Leary. Yes, using. Oh yes, yeah, sorry, using the whistle that he got from uh, Quintus at the very beginning. I don't right. think we mentioned that. Right. No, we didn't. Because um, he's been suspicious of Quintus. It's yeah. like he was like seen going into the maze, so it's a little weird. Right, um, a little bit of so he didn't want to use it yet, but he's like, I have no other choice, so I'll use it. Oh, Luke also had had Nico. <laughs> that was uh, that was another reason oh. that Percy was ready to fight too. Yeah. Um, no, I just I forgot about that until that last last line there. That but chapter. still, at this point, nobody knows who he is. Right. Um. So they managed to escape all of them, including Ethan. Um. They all take off running, and Percy's like, "Listen, you can stay with us. We can help you." And Ethan's like, yeah, 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 no, 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 psych, I'm out. out of here. Just remember that the war is what the war will be. Um, Nico's like, listen, Luke isn't dead. Um, he's not dead yet. I can feel if he was dead. He's not. Um, and Annabeth is like, listen, um, they're out on the surface now. Um, so Nico and Annabeth go to the to the gift shop to get uh, Prism to make an Iris message, and then Nico wants food. Um, and then Rachel and Percy um, find a ride into town to try to find another entrance to the labyrinth, um, which Rachel basically blackmails a miscellaneous <laughs> driver, or like yeah, I didn't, attempts what? to give him money. My guess is he is, she's like, do you know who I am? He's like, no. She's like, my dad is Mr. Dare. Yeah, oh. yeah. I think she just used her dad's like wealth and like power. Okay. And the dude was like, shoot, shoot, shoot. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I had no idea what that was. And I almost forgot about that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but Annabeth, you know, warns Chiron at camp that Luke is planning an attack and he needs to be prepared for that. They manage to find a ride back into town um, in which they make their way into the labyrinth. Except like, the first couple of seconds in the labyrinth, Percy sees him out. And he's like, listen, I've got to go see what's happening. Uh, I have a feeling that I need to be there. Um, and he's seeing uh, Kronos becoming, well, Luke becoming Kronos. Which is um, gross. Right, which is gross. With the, ple- with the pledge of loyalty from Ethan, who Percy just freaking saved, uh, Luke becomes Kronos. Um, he, you know, he's ready to kill Percy. He's coming after Percy. Um, out of nowhere, Annabeth, and uh, Annabeth, Rachel, and Nico come out of the labyrinth. Rachel hits the god of the titans in the eye with a hairbrush. Yeah. And they vanish back into the labyrinth um, and take off running, um, which, of course, is the, the Lost God Speaks. Um, all right. So in the Lost God Speaks, uh, they're all sort of just trying to, trying to run away. Um, Annabeth is really shaken up. Uh, Rachel is also shaken up. 
uh, and they're trying to figure out like what to do next. Um, they decide that we got to get, um, uh, they, they decide that they're going to try to run through the, and find, uh, Tyson and Grover a little bit more. Um, but also they got to get back to camp, which kind of sucks for Rachel cause she's not going to be able to get in there, but oh, well, um, they managed to find, uh, they managed to find, uh, Tyson and Grover, uh, only to like soon find, is this, uh, soon they find where mm-hmm. Pan is. Uh, and Pan's like, hey, uh, Grover, thank you so much for looking for me. I really wish you weren't doing that because your your belief in me is so strong that it's keeping me alive and I have wanted to be dead for a while. I've been on death's door. Because as, as we know, if uh, if a god stops like starts losing followers and people don't believe him as much, he fades and doesn't exist. But Pan, since he's so linked with nature, it was fading because of all the pollution. But because every single satyr was constantly looking for him and still believing that he was alive, he was stuck in kind of this, like, he was he was kind of just he stuck, like, bedridden. Goat, yeah. He was at the old goat's home and mm-hmm. just couldn't croak. It, yeah, he really just was, like, he was praying for to be, Dead. like, yeah, like. Just morbid, but. <laughs> yeah, like, for, like, euthanasia almost, basically. <laughs> Put me down. Um. He Please, was, old yeller me. <laughs> <laughs> but he sort of like talked with everyone minus Nico because there was like a little bit of bias beca- uh, for kids of Hades. Um, and it was like, hey, uh, Grover, let me go. Let everybody else know I am truly dead. And then also we get a little bit of touching on Rachel as a sort of who her father is, which mm-hmm. is just a, uh, a, a big shot sort of real estate man who is – makes a lot of money and destroys the environment for his housing projects. Mm-hmm. And also he has a pet dodo bird named Didi. And I don't know if anything happened with Didi. Never again. Never again. What time is it? No, you don't have to. No, we're not. Darn it. <laughs> Sorry to ruin your hope. Um, which of course takes us into, uh, into Grover causes a stampede. Uh, they managed to make their way out of the out of the labyrinth in Times Square. Um, they're miserable. They're so just like beaten down. That's when we get the uh, Rachel tells Percy straight up exactly what happened with her dad. Um, Percy calls in his Pegasus friends who roll up and take them all back to camp, with the exception of of, of uh, Rachel. Um, <laughs> Blackjack. I love Blackjack. He's fun. Um, and they appear in a camp. Uh, the uh, the Council of Elders is just mad at Grover for trying to say that he um, that he saw Pan die. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Chiron's like, listen, this is not the time. Camp is literally being attacked. Can you yeah. like hold off here? Um, so they all uh, they come in and they realize that they've Luke has let the the beings into yes. camp. Uh, Chiron. Comfy. You know, Right. Campy, compy. Compy rolls in yeah. and is ready to go. And Chiron's like, listen, Percy, you got to tell me exactly what you've seen. And Percy tells him that I've seen Kronos rise. And mm-hmm. Chiron's like, I knew that. I felt that. I knew it. Um, but he's like, listen, Percy, I want you to hang back. And we'll use you as backup wherever you're needed. Um, we see that, that Nico D'Angelo is summoning just miscellaneous military officials and Which... having them just obliterate. Nico has raised hundreds of ghosts just to obliterate these beings. And which nobody is knows who he is yet. Which is impressive for an 11-year-old. Yeah, that's also true. This is also the, the one of the times that we see, like, 
them actually getting like winded from using like the extent their of their powers, yeah. which I assume the difference because they're pretty strong. I assume the difference between them and gods is really just like the duration that they can do this store mm-hmm. and probably magnitude as well. Right. Um, and eventually they manage to defeat. Uh, well, of course, Percy and Annabeth end up side by side. Um, and they're like, oh, well, nice knowing you. And he's like, yeah, okay. Um, they end up, um, Annabeth, they end up killing um, the, the compi, um, specifically with the help of the hundred-handed one who just appears from the labyrinth uh, alongside of Daedalus. He's like, hey, I found this dude. Let's go. Um, after the battle is over, one of the medics from the Apollo cabin rolls up after Chiron has broken his legs. Uh, a medic from the Apollo cabin runs up and is like, hey, listen. Or no, it was Juniper. Sorry. You got to you gotta come help Nico. He is literally smoking. Um, he, you know, it just says that he's laying on the ground. All the grass around him is dead. He looks dead. Um, Percy's like, oh, my God. You know, just like, come on. Perk back up here, buddy. Um, and Nico's like, I'll be all right. <laughs> I just imagine that, like, you know, when that one kid on your, like, soccer team would just get the crap knocked yeah, out of them. Like, oh, gosh, are you but okay? But then, like, like, they have, like, blood pouring eh. down their mouth. They're like, can I go back in, coach? <laughs> no, you can't. You gotta sit it out, bud. Um, but, of course, we get the, the conversation between Tyson and the hundred-handed one who's like, oh, you're doing so good, buddy. Nice I'm, job. I'm gonna teach you guys the old ways, how you make a real metal sword. Right, right, right. Um... And, you know, Percy's like, hey, Nico, you should probably stay at camp. And Nico's like, I'm good. I'm all right. I'll leave. Yeah, there's Percy, not even, there was not even a cabin for him. He'd have to stay in Hermes, which is Right. And Percy's like, well, maybe appealing. we can make an exception for Big Three or, you know, at the big house. And Nico's like, I don't belong here. I belong along, among the dead. There's a reason my father doesn't mm-hmm. have a cabin here. Um, Percy stumbles into Dionysus, who has healed Chris um rodriguez and kind of talks percy through what he just witnessed and he uses their real names like he tells them you know he's like listen like regardless of what happened um it wasn't a total loss you did good um and then of course dionysus immediately goes back to being like you dumb you dumb Harry johnson or whatever um we also learned that one of his sons has died yes um caster yeah, one of one of Dionysus' sons has died, and um, the head of the Apollo cabin has, has died as well. Um, and which, of course, uh, takes us into uh, my birthday party uh, takes a dark turn, which I believe is the last chapter. Yes. Um, so there, it's uh, for a little bit of it. It's just like them sort of like vibing at camp, usually saying their sort of normal goodbyes. Um, uh, there, there's still a little bit of tension between Annabeth and uh, and Percy. But uh, soon they go to back to Percy's house and actually have like a party with everybody there. For his uh, birthday. Yeah, for with Sally and uh, Blofus is also there, mm-hmm. uh, and they're sort of uh, they're they're talking uh, between each other for a little bit. Uh, there's a nice heart to heart between Percy and Blofus. It's like, hey, uh, I appreciate uh, like I'm gonna ask you this. I know I don't need to, but I I, I I'm going to probably propose to your mom. Is that okay? Percy's like, he's like, yeah. yeah. And as he gets out of his mouth, yeah, uh, there's a knock at the door, and Tommy Bahama himself, Poseidon, is just is <laughs> vibing just, at the door. Just vibing at the door, and he's like, hey, I'm here. And then Sally is, I wasn't sure if, and I maybe it's supposedly like specifically vague, but it looked like uh, Sally wasn't sure if she was happy or like angry to see Poseidon. Right. 
Because, like, you know, at sort of this absent, like, love of her life is just gone here. Right. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shows up and... Honestly, I don't. Really, I don't remember what he does. He is he just vibe? Gives peace, uh, like gives Percy a warning and a present um, in the form of this. Um, I want to say it's a, a starfish or a sand dollar. Yeah, sand dollar. He says um, that you can buy. And back in my day, you could buy anything with this. And yeah, it's like, but okay, it still Grandpa. buys you. It'll still buy you what you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, I think it's just a Poseidon warning Percy about what's to come. Yeah. Um, he then vanishes. And they're like, we had to, we had to convince Paul that he just went down the fire escape instead of the front door because Poseidon actually just went, hey, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then uh, Nico shows up for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he get is he does he get cake or does he just like look at the cake? No, I think he comes in Percy because Percy offers for him to come in mm-hmm. and to talk about what Nico's plan is. Yeah, Nico has this grand plan that he thinks is going to allow Percy to beat Kronos, mm-hmm. and that's how where it ends. That's the book. All right, that was a that was a doozy of a <laughs> yeah. of a recap, but a lot happens. Um, so we'll go ahead and just hop right in, and I think our first point we're just gonna shoot off the gun here with is right. idolization yes. as our, our, our really our main theme in this book i think is is idolization mm-hmm. and this dynamic between it and we see that in in three places uh specifically with annabeth to daedalus tyson to the hundred-handed one and, and grover to pan and i think we'll dive into annabeth to daedalus first yeah um annabeth calls him a coward mm-hmm. um we see annabeth in the beginning here just, like in the beginning of the book gushing over mm-hmm. daedalus and the labyrinth she's like it is these this absolute wonder of architecture mm-hmm. i have spent all of my time studying it which i think is what fuels her leading the quest yeah and it's it's she's knowledgeable about this uh as we found out later it's also uh, he's also a child of athena mm-hmm. uh so there's like already those sort of parallels going there and we find out that he's sort of not who she thinks he is. Like he's not only did he kill his his nephew out of just, I guess I don't know what you'd call it. Like not greed, but like I don't a, I don't know a, what a perceived it, necessity. Yeah, it wasn't actually necessary, but he perceived it to be necessary. Yeah, uh, and she sort of just sees him as cowardly. Uh, I'm not. Did we did we say that he was Quintus? Yeah. In the summary? No, okay. I don't think we did, but yes, he okay. is in fact Quintus. He, he was Quintus, uh, and then later in the end, uh, he he's like, I've I've lived for too long. I put myself in this like robot body. Uh, I've lived for too long. Which is why his name is Quintus. It's yes. the fifth body. Uh, Nico, kill me. Which is weird. Like, did he just? Like Nico said, he I'm gonna well, le- lay your soul to rest. Yeah, Nico but as soon as he said like you're dead, man, he disappeared. Which well, is... I think that's with the 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 iron that. That is that Nico's sword is made out of. Oh yeah, has that ability. That's how he can summon ghosts with it and stuff. It okay. is specifically the metal of the underworld, which is also the reason Daedalus uses that as Miss O'Leary's. Is this reason Mrs. O'Leary's whistle that he that Daedalus gives Percy? Yes, is from River Sticks. Yeah, is from um, the same kind of material used in Nico's sword. Mm-hmm. But I think. Annabeth obviously is idolizing this man, but when she finally realizes who he is. And he's already kind of given in to Luke. Because obviously we see that Luke was trying to find Daedalus to get the string to navigate the labyrinth. Because Luke thought he was too good to have a mortal guide him. Mm-hmm. Which we'll touch on when yeah, we get to we'll touch character. on that. Um, but, and, I mean, that's the same reason they attempted to find Daedalus. But Annabeth was also just excited to interact with Daedalus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But when when they learn that Daedalus already gave the string to Luke, Annabeth goes mad at him, basically. Mm-hmm. Just lays into him. You coward. You have no backbone. How dare you? You know, you don't stand and fight. You know, children of Athena are supposed yeah. to be wise, but you're just acting smart. There's a difference. And really just lays into Daedalus. Um, and we see that have an effect on him in the end uh, because, of course, that's what ultimately drives him to defeat the the army that Minos le- like kind of leads in to get after him, but also drives him to come back to camp to help them win against Luke. He says, I, I've, I've came to, to repair my my uh, qualms. I think it's important for me to fix it. So we see this like kind of crash in idolization. And I guess that's kind of what this is all about. It's just it's like the idols don't live up to your standards mm-hmm. is the main theme here. And it's very obvious in that one. And it's pretty obvious in, in Grover, or not Grover, sorry, to Tyson to the 100-handed one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so the 100-handed ones uh, were like these, these like ancient, ancient sort of like precursors to, to Cyclopes uh that uh like fought back against what the whatever what was the race of campy i think it was just i can't remember yeah those weird like snake dry uh, drider-esque things um and they were they were great they were great forges they were they were extremely strong uh they were like noble heroes and then like they were like told to say uh cyclopes is sort of like fairy tale and tyson meets this one and he is imprisoned in a cage that he could easily have escaped because Tyson is able to bend the bars with the relative ease. Um, but yet he's, he's too scared of being punished by uh, Campy. Uh, and his, his, uh, his friends have also at this point faded because people have stopped believing in him and he is like the only one left. And because of that, he is just sort of barely hanging on there. Uh, he's and, also very sorry for himself. Yes. He's, he's extremely pitiful uh, and uh, like, Oh, woe is me. And Tyson, in, like, the first time he shows his emotion, sort of, like, steps up and is like, hey, you need to, like, pick yourself up. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get ready. You can break out of here. And he's only he leaves once he's tricked by Percy, which mm-hmm. also angers Tyson. The, the whole time he's just sort of, like, sad that nothing's coming of this. And I think right. that's another ex- expectation of Tyson grew up hearing these tales of like these are the strongest things, and when he finally gets a chance to meet one uh, a creature that he never thought he would ever have the chance to, it does not live up to ex- right. expectations. Like it just at deflates all. immediately. Yes. And yet again, it's seen one more time, and a little little less obviously with with the two parallels we mentioned thus far. But in Grover to Pan, mm-hmm. we see Pan kind of tell Grover I don't want anybody to care about me like just let me die let everybody know that I died and it just crushes Grover because this is his life dream was to find Pan and here's Pan he's found him Mm -hmm. but his goal just needs to be fixing the wild not searching for the wild yes um and I guess I don't know the main main point I think Riordan is trying to get across here is this this fact that your idols never live up to the standards that you pen them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's no more obvious than the three we've in there. Um, but we can go ahead and flip over to the next point we have, which is kind of just Grover's quest for Pan is, is peculiar. It's, it's strange. It feels odd. It's in all, in all of the books, 
This it, is more of a. This is not a critique on like actual like any of these characters. This is more a cr- of a critique for Rick Riordan. Yes. Here. Uh, this we is... will introduce a segment very similar to the crap on J.K. Rowling segment, less direct. I yes. think this is just like a um, the attempt to put so much in. Yes. These are these are differences in like style and like like um what's the complaints word? we have with the stylistic choices made by Rick yeah Riordan, and also contextual. like like the way that some of them were delivered, the way that mm-hmm. some of them were executed. Yeah. Um, the one one of the issues is that every book has something about like I'm searching for Pan and mm-hmm. that's gonna be my thing. And in the first book, that was fine because like it was like this childish wonder. Yeah, it like, was this childish wonder of like he wants to get his license for it. That's why he's doing it. And it's, it's like, like, how, like sure. In my mind, it's like how kids are like I want to be a I want to be a doctor because doctors like change the world. Yeah. Like that's how I imagine Grover being like I want to search for Pan because if I find Pan, the world will be different. Mm-hmm. And of course, the second book, that is directly why Grover is in trouble. Yes. And he, he went out searching and he finds it. And like that's the, the whole main plot point. And I thought that that was, I thought that that was even mm-hmm. fine. It felt a little strange, but it, it, oh, the book opened up with it. So it was right. upfront about what was happening there. Right. Uh, and it was the fleece and it sort of tied in anyway. In the third book, it was like almost non-existent. Um, it was and only the, only there for a plot convenience. It was only there because he was like, oh, uh-oh, we got saved by Pan. It was almost as if Rick uh, Riordan forgot that <laughs> Pan was a plot line he wanted. He's like, oh, did I start that? Okay. And he felt that he needed to put it in this book. Where mm-hmm. I, I don't think he really did. Um, and, then of, uh, and then, of course, like, while well, we got the funny thing of, like, oh, drinking coffee from it. Like, right. later when he came back and everyone was freaking out. I don't know. It, it felt a little weird. And then this book especially, it was not really that important at all. But it, it felt like anytime it was brought up, it was just like, mm, I think that could have been done better. Which, um, and this kind of offers up the, the questions of Rick Riordan obviously has, um, the, I, think, I think the good asterisk to leave here, the big difference between Rick Riordan and J.K. Rowling is often when Rick Riordan receives uh, critiques about the series, he works to change that in further books he releases. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's been a lot of um, when this when this series first came out, there was a lot of problems with the fact Rick Riordan doesn't include any um, like any like true diversity in mm-hmm. the main characters. Um, he also doesn't include any like sexuality differences in the main characters, um, which of course he he will um, we'll see as we continue with the series, as we continue in the to Lost Hero and specifically the Heroes of Olympus series, that he works to change that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the big difference between him and J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling just said, screw your complaints, fight you. I can't say any of the words I would like to say right <laughs> now. But point stands. Um, whereas Rick Riordan works to change him. One thing that Rick Riordan often does uh, that he continues to do, the, uh, um, he's got a little bit better about, but not much, is he feels... I, he gives every character a love interest. Mm-hmm. Which is also, it feels sort of shorned in there. Yeah, and forced. Specifically in this book, we see it mainly with Juniper. Yeah. Juniper's main characteristic is that she is Grover's girlfriend. We have never seen Juniper before now. The only explanation we get about her is that she's a dryad and that she's Grover's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And that is her personality. She has no personality aside from being Grover's girlfriend. Hey, she's named after a tree, okay? A bush, but yes. Oh, it's a bush? Yeah, Juniper's a, a, like a bush. I was not aware of that. Okay, I think so. never mind. And it point stands. Yeah, she's, um, she's got nothing for her. Yeah, like she just serves no... 
she's a very flat character whose only character trait is to be in love with Grover. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It's, I, I don't like the fact that Rick Riordan feels the need to give every character. He also does a little bit of... of uh, I don't know if you call it queer baiting. There's definitely some queer coding here in Clary's. Obviously, Clary's characteristics have been very, like, butch lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gives her a boyfriend in this in this book. Which, not to say that she's, uh, like, that's, like, the end-all be-all there. but Right. But it also, it didn't feel like it was necessary. I, I feel like... It it probably, in my opinion, would have felt better if it was like a pre, like a close friendship sort of mm-hmm. thing. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just us. But I I feel like that doesn't. Right. It didn't feel necessary that relationship. Nor did it feel like meaningful. Like I didn't it feel really, it any way. And it really isn't. All it does is sort of build the character of like, oh look, Clarice does in fact care about people. Oh look, she has a heart, just a little bit of one. But we really get that. I don't know. We'll, we we'll got s- that already. Yeah, and we'll see that in the next book a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I don't know. And another, I think the other critique that we have, specifically out of this book where it's most obvious that it will continue into the next book, is Rick Riordan has a weird way of writing battle scenes. It is like there, yeah. are, there is so much happening, but he like can't ground himself in the narrative well enough to tell you what's happening. It's like Percy... I understand that battle is very chaotic and it's very hoppy. Mm-hmm. You know, like nothing is staying the same. But it's like Percy himself is confused as to what's happening. At least the way that Rick Riordan is writing it is that we as readers cannot ground ourselves in this battle. Mainly because I don't think Rick Riordan has the, had the ability to ground Percy in the battle. So in an extent, we are. Yeah. And it just makes it confusing. And I think that's why... I mean, I, I've i always kind of struggled with the battle scenes, but I've always just chalked it up to like, hey, you know, I just don't pay enough attention to the battle scenes. Those are my favorite parts of a book. Mm-hmm. But rereading these closely, it's <laughs> awful. I, uh, I I also, I forgot the name of Campy. Like, I knew, I knew it was like, yeah, it's the, it's the a, person that's like, it's like human torso, like dragon, dragon or spider body, and then like snakes at the end. I knew who that was. Right. I did not remember her name was Campy, and I did not remember that I, she was who they were fighting in the final scene. A lot of right. it is just it makes it so so much is happening that you it's easy to tune out, and your brain just goes right. Ooh. And we do it, yeah, exactly. You you put your brain on autopilot, and you just kind of like fade through it. Yeah, um, we see that we've seen that in the other books. I did the same thing in in with. Uh, tri- uh, Titan's Curse and that entire battle mm-hmm. on the mountain with with the dragon with Atlas. I was like, "What mm-hmm. is happening here?" But you're like, "Oh, I get to the end result." And I think that's the problem here is we have a couple of scenes like that. Obviously, that last scene, and really even with the scene of Percy getting exploded. Yeah, <laughs> like you go from Percy being in the mountain fighting, fighting sort of, and then he just and wakes then all up of on a sudden, an island. yeah, all of a sudden he's with Calypso with no real explanation. Right, which uh, is. Of course, that's. I think that concludes our our segment on, on what our our small grievances. On with come Rick on, Riordan. Ray Orden. Please, for the love of God. Um, but on Percy getting yeet yoded out of the out of the ground and into the sky and then returning to the ground. Um, let's just talk about Calypso and her island. Um, obviously, this is very different than the last island Percy's been on, <laughs> um, which he obviously jokes about to Calypso. He's yeah, like, he's "Are you like, gonna Are you gonna turn me into a guinea pig?" And she's like. No. No. And he's like, "Are you going to turn me into anything?" anything. She's like, no, "No, I can't do that." Right. And I feel I don't know. 
I, because of, of course, Clipso is myth. That, mm. That's complete mythos there. Um, and it's actually pretty true to tale. Um, but it's very sad mm-hmm. that she, um, you know, and she does prop that question to Percy of, really, would you be fighting with the gods if they weren't your family? The answer is no. Percy probably wouldn't. Um, but she kind of challenges Percy's loyalty. In that comment about the family and in the fact that she is like, that she tells him, you can live forever on this island and reach immortality. You'll never turn. S- Yet again, it's another out for the que- for the mm-hmm. for the uh, prophecy. He'd never turn sixteen. He would just be yes here. Um, and she's like, that's the only way I'll ever actually be freed from my curse. I'm pr- I am doomed to lone- loneliness because the only men that fate brings my way are ones that can't stay. And it weighs on Percy a lot. It challenges mm-hmm. Percy's every ounce of being. He just wants good for everybody. He just wants to help everybody. And here it is. He can't help her. Because the one thing she wants that she needs for him to do to be able to help her is the one thing that would harm the other people he's mm-hmm. closest to. Which is also something that like Chiron says where it's like, listen, I'm like, he's like, at least you came back. Like he, he like, he's not like, because Percy's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be go along. He's like, at least you came back. And, like, I think that's I – th- I think it's important. Like, yeah, he chose who was more important to him. But I also think it was a little – I don't want to say mean, but, like, weird of Chiron to be like, yeah, okay, huh, come on. Like, you should not have – you should not have done that, but at least you're here now, so let's mm-hmm. just go. Like, it, I think it felt strange. Well, in Mythos, Odysseus stays on Calypso's Island for seven years. Oh. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where that comment from okay. Chiron comes that's, out. That's I fair. I had to Google it. I couldn't remember if it was five years or seven years. But Odysseus, uh, during his time with the the Argonauts, I believe, he um, he manages to find his way onto Calypso's Island. He has a wife at home who is actively being mm-hmm. like pursued by multiple multiple suitors. But Odysseus chooses to stay on Calypso's Island for seven years. So the fact that Percy is able to be like, I am so sorry. I just, I have to go back. I think also kind of makes a comment on Percy's ability as a character. Yeah, that's true. Because, um, of course, time does work differently on that. The one thing that I that was a little weird to me in that scene is that Percy, as he is floating away from the island, makes the comment to himself that Calypso would be his what if. And I feel like the whole thing about a what if is that you have to be farther removed from that to be yeah. like, that was my what if. Like I Like, I don't know. I get it, but I don't know that I, it seems a little out of character that Percy would dwell on on Calypso's island. Um, and we'll see later in the series he does. Mm-hmm. He actually he doesn't dwell on it wholly, but he it sits in the back of his consciousness. And when somebody mentions it, it reminds him. So, but I guess um, of course the big thing in Calypso's island we see, and ultimately I think the reason Percy chooses to leave so suddenly is Hephaestus visits Percy Mm -hmm. and tells him you will have to you have to make your decision you gotta do it now you gotta get you know you gotta get out of here and that kind of sets the tone and I know we talked about last book godly intervention but we get a whole new cast of character of of gods that choose to intervene here we get Hephaestus we get Hera uh there's the minor ones we got Janus at least um who else Mr. D yeah Mr. D and Poseidon yeah there's a lot of godly interference here. Honestly, just as much as in the last book, but I don't think it's as pivotal as it was in the last book. 
so obviously Hephaestus is is pivotal to this decision making. But the goddess, the one goddess that we've mentioned that is obnoxiously involved in this plot is Hera. Mm-hmm. Hera she, is bad. Yes. She is uh, not just annoying, but I think she is useless. I do not think she's done anything very helpful. She kind of she almost harms them more than she helps them. Yeah, which is going to be a common thread for Hera's character as we continue in the mm-hmm. series. The only one thing that you could say that she might do is she's like, "Don't worry, Harry. You, uh, Harry, <laughs> you're doing good, buddy. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, Percy. You know uh, what you need to do to get through here." And he has no idea what that means until he is told later by Hephaestus. You know what to do. And he goes, oh, I guess I do. Light which moment. Which means that if they never met up with Hera, Hephaestus most likely would have also told them, I think you know what you mm-hmm. need to do to get through the maze, and clicked it at that point, which means that Hera's advice was completely and utterly useless. She actually was just there for sandwiches. She was just there. Well, She's like, I made extra sandwiches. Man. Zeus had to leave early for a business meeting. Right, and we see, and of course when she comes back there at the end, she's like, it was I who answered your prayer and made sure that you guys got through all this completely fine because I just needed you to fix my happy family. And Percy's like, Hephaestus was right about you. You literally only care about your perfect, pristine, happy family. You don't care about anything that's outside that mold, mm-hmm. even if it is your kids. Because obviously in Mythos, it's it's the reason that Hephaestus is so badly um, injured is because Hera yeets him off yeah. of Olympus because he's not as good as her other children. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, I don't know. It also offers up the question of, like, interfamilial hostilities. Yeah. But uh, that we won't we won't tap into. That's a lot of conversation mm-hmm. there. But this is also the first time that we see, like, Annabeth and Percy be visibly angry with a god, with the exception of Ares. That's just because that's kind of what Ares festers. But it's almost, this is one of the first times that Percy kind of can see where the anger at the gods is coming from. Yeah. Because he's he's coming because to... he's he's coming fresh off of Calypso's island, mm-hmm. in which he has seen the treatment the gods give her. Mm-hmm. That she has not been released from her island. That she is stuck here permanently. Um, and then of course, in Hephaestus's comments of "Look what the gods have done to me." They don't care. The, you know, Hera doesn't care about anything but the image of her family, not her actual. Doesn't if you don't fit the image of her family, she doesn't care about you. Yeah, you're getting booted. And Percy's like, I can see where this anger is coming from that makes sense. So offers up a little bit of sympathy from Percy to this to mm-hmm. this cause. And I think also with Ethan's comments kind of reigning true in his mind a little bit more. And I think mm-hmm. it was in the last book that we said, you know, or the last book of the book before in which the, somebody had made the comment of like, Percy, you're already a pawn for the gods. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you see this? Um, one god that we see really kind of change our perception of him is Mr. D. Yeah. Um, so obviously Mr. D lost a son in the last battle. He has two twin sons, mm-hmm. one of which has passed away in the battle of the labyrinth. And we see Mr. D refer first off to Percy and Annabeth, both by their names multiple times in the mm-hmm. conversation he has with Percy. We also see him heal Chris Rodriguez without Which is not what he, yeah, he without should. any really reason to like, and you you could argue that like if he didn't there there would be a scene as like you know you can fix this this is literally your wee house why don't you do it sort right. of thing but also he's not really supposed to he is a god he, and he's not supposed to be healing them that's what the nectar and ambrosia are and for that's what the, really the Apollo cabinet is for they're yeah. supposed to be the healers of the of the camp 
and I think it offers to say that Mr. D is sympath like sympathetic to these kids. Like mm-hmm. He he sympathizes with these kids more than we give mm-hmm. him credit for. But he uh, he does not like showing that, given that he uh, uh, what what was it? I th- I think it was it was like he said his name really wrong. It was like, hey, uh, when did you start being nice? It's like. I, I, I I'm no never clue what you're talking about Perry. It, it was John, like, like yeah, Perry Singer. Perry Jungle Juice or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yes, um, and and that is one thing. And I'm gonna give a little bit of a spoiler, but a totally different spoiler that probably has no cognitive awareness of what's gonna happen. But we see Mr. D kind of play into that a lot later. That we see that he actually cares about these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how much he doesn't wish to admit it, we see it with, um. In the Trials of Apollo's series, uh, specifically with one camper we've already met, who's really going through a lot of psychological trauma, it's Mr. D who's able to help that camper work through it and kind of like come to terms with what had happened. Because ultimately it is under Dionysus' kind of house of abilities to keep that, you mm-hmm. know, to it, madness, uh, to cure madness is his ability. And so... Um, that plays into the mental health of this world a little bit too. So yeah. Interesting little tad. Um, and of course, our last god that really uh, plays a little bit of interference here is Poseidon. Like at the literal, <laughs> literal interference. My man Blowfist was like at the like at the three point line, ready to <laughs> shoot, and he just comes out of here and blocks it, fouls himself. Honestly. Um, yeah, because Poseidon just rolls up to Percy's birthday party He's after like, Blowfist hey, is son. like, hey, so I'm going to propose to your mom. And then Poseidon's like, oh, what's up? Hey, Sally, looking hot, baby. Uh, hey, Percy, can we have a little chit chat for your birthday? And then Percy's like, yeah, I guess, dad, let's go out here. Please leave mom alone. <laughs> um, and it's just. But I feel like Poseidon is there for the best nature. I don't know if it's because he. Obviously, is the we haven't actually learned the uh, the full prophecy that Percy will be under yet, mm-hmm. but we've learned a, a pretty significant chunk of it, which is that Percy, who whichever of the big three have the opportunity to reach sixteen, is going to have a f- have an effect on the the outcome of Olympus. Mm-hmm. They they are ultimately going to be the deciding factor for if they stick with Olympus or you know if they turn against Olympus Olympus will fall. If they stick with Olympus then Olympus will will win. Um so I also think this is a little bit of Poseidon playing uh make sure this doesn't go south. Yeah. Because he's it seen does what feel Luke has like, done to Hermes. Yeah, he's like Hey, buddy, you want to, like, uh, how you doing? You want to play catch real quick? Yeah, let's go out to the front yard here. Yeah, I, we, can, I, we, we can play that. What's that game called? Mario Kart? We can do some of that real quick. <laughs> right. I, I Part of me thinks this is Poseidon doing damage control. Yeah. Before, you know, preactively doing damage control. But at the same time, it gets, he's obviously been closer to Percy than the other gods tend to be with their children, obviously. And Beth's mm-hmm. only seen her mom like twice with the exception of when she visited, um, you know, on the winter solstice. But, uh, you know, it's, it seems to be that the, they really don't interact with their children. Much. No, not like not at all. And yeah, but, uh, Poseidon really just, Poseidon's really going all in. And I think you could say that, um, Zeus's like reason for having a kid seemed to be, it was like a, he, he, quote unquote just couldn't help himself because the the woman was so attractive and it was like right. just his type poseidon it seems like he, the was, only, in love with he was actually in love with sally and like mm-hmm. had 
legitimate, like honest to honest to God, no pun intended, <laughs> feelings. Um, and I, I think that that shows that he is he's trying to have a connection with his kid. Mm. I think for less. I think less malicious reasons, but I definitely think those reasons are still playing at least a small mm-hmm. part. Who's like, oh, well, from there, might as well. Right. Like, hey, Sally's looking hot, but also I should make sure that Percy's not going to destroy the entity that is our, our system. Of yeah, that is me. <laughs> um, but I guess this is the point to kind of roll into our characters. Yes. Uh, so we have four characters today, uh, which are Rachel, Nico, Annabeth, and Luke. Which one do you want to start with? Uh... Let's start with Nico, since Nico. we already talked about uh, the I, big three. I love Nico D'Angelo so much. He only gets better as the series goes <laughs> on. He's a little snaky, not on purpose. I think that's just, obviously, yeah. we get a lot of character development from here. We see that he has retreated off the face of the <laughs> earth, um, is living amongst the dead mainly, and has also went goth. <laughs> yeah, real goth. He's gone super far into the deep end there. Right. Um. He is also, we find out his fatal flaw in this mm-hmm. as well, which is holding a grudge in that almost all of Hades' children have that flaw mm-hmm. as well, uh, which I think is interesting. I'm not sure if that's all the case for everyone, but uh, at the very least, that seems to be uh, that seems to be a new thing. I'm saying, I don't think it's necessarily a common thing for like, but it, I mean, we could see the parallel there. Of course, we don't know any other children of Athena, but mm-hmm. it totally makes sense that the the children of wisdom believe they are the best. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense, and that plays into a lot of the the mythos behind Hades, um, in the gods. Of course, Hades doesn't have a seat on Olympus. He holds a grudge against mm-hmm. his siblings for that. Um, and I think that comes to play in in. Nico's character a lot there too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hades. I mean, Nico says that the reason he doesn't feel welcome at camp is because Hades was never welcome amongst the twelve. That's why there's no cabin for Hades. Um, so yeah, it totally makes sense that yeah. his grudge is, you know, his fatal flaw is holding a grudge, just being mad about it. Mm-hmm. We also see that he's he's sort of he's given up like these sort of things that he found. Like he got gave up his might and magic game or, or mythos and magic. Yeah, myth and magic. Yeah, game, yeah. Uh, and he, he's given that up. Uh, but then at the at the end, he's like, he sort of gives an inkling that he's gonna like bring it back a little bit. Right. Uh, he's like, eh, okay, because he he had a real angst phase there for right. a little bit. And I think there's just so much. My heart breaks for Nico though, because he's the definition of a character who's had to grow up way too fast. Mm-hmm. At 11 years old, he is living on his own amongst you know the dead. He is has no family. He's not close with his with his godly parent. Nobody knows he's alone in this world, but he he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he has nobody to take care of him, and he is still literally a child. And I think that offers that connection between him and Annabeth. The reason that Annabeth is able to kind of like get in tune with Nico is because he she sees a lot of herself in him. Of course, yeah. she was also a, a character who had to grow up really fast. Um, so I think that's part of the the sway in in nico um and we see him kind of come to term after bianca like telling him like hey listen don't hold a grudge percy didn't kill me it was my decision we see nico drop his you know we see him kind of drop his grudge to percy Mm -hmm. he's not nice to percy by any means but he's he's like i'm gonna help he's amicable right he's he's like i'll help percy where he needs it i'm not gonna I'm not going to go out of my way. He really, oh, well, he actually does. He kind of goes out of his way, and we'll see that more in the next book. Um, but to Nico, it's now, um, 
he's indebted to Percy, so I think he's going to help him. But mm-hmm. I don't know where the connection lies. Nico gets a lot more complex in this book, to say the least. Yeah. Um, who who would you like to? Do you have anything else to add? In uh, characters. I don't think I have anything else to add to him. Uh, you want to do Rachel next? Yeah, we can go to Rachel next. Okay. Of course, we get. I told you she was coming back. Yeah. <laughs> it was quicker than I thought the turnaround for yeah. me though. The ran also. I just love Percy's dumbfoundness. He's like, I never really thought about Rachel lived where Rachel lived, and I guess it makes sense she could have lived in New York, but dang, that's really weird. <laughs> Because um, of course they have the same school. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I'm. Of course we made this. We've made this connection off mic, and I think it's important to note is that the kind of calling out of Rachel that Pan does. He tells her, "Listen, you're not your father. Yeah, you are not. You are not. You know, destroying the environment. Yeah. You're doing the best you can. Yeah. To you are not. It. You are not bound to your father's actions, which." Was it was a message to her, but was not just a message to her. It sort of mm-hmm. went to the rest of them as well. Right. But I, th- I I think yeah, Rachel has this sort of uh, this sort of dissonance where she is a part of this mystical world and realizes that what's what her father is doing is bad. Um, however, she can't really do much to stop that. Right. Um, and she's also she's a part of uh, the. It's it's always said that the the half-bloods are the link between the the gods and the mortal world but she's like a link between that link as well right she's purely mortal but she just sees all these things she can see through the mist yes you can see through the mist when we get first off i i'm not a huge fan of rachel i don't mind her um her character is like little like i don't know wishy-washy in my mind but she you have to admit the fact that she's a bad yeah. She not not even like processing the like danger she's in. Just yeets a hairbrush into the mm-hmm. face of a the Titan of time. Like she's just like, ah, King of the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> um it's also she's also I think she's I think she's quippy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's funny and I think uh, it seems that a lot of her character is sort of just hiding her emotions by using Making fun little joke. quips. Yeah. And I and I've I've always like found that fun in characters. Um, I also, like I said, I didn't, I, I don't super like the sort of like love triangle that was going on, which mm-hmm. is part of her. But also, I would say if we had to have a relationship, it's a little bit more comfortable to have this relationship than the one where they're kind of technically related. <laughs> so like, there's that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not forgetting about that. That's still a yeah, thing. You're still, you're still stuck on the. The dim- all the demigods are technically related. But- I mean, I can get over it because, like, Annabeth is also just off. Th- she's just a thought. She's not like an actual. Child. I, yeah, like she was, minute, she I was. She was talking thought. And no, like, no, 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 no. The modern setting of thought. I was like, Jesus no, Christ! No, hot take from Brett. What no, 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 no. Let me then, then let me rephrase. <laughs> Annabeth was created from a thought from. Uh, Athena's head. She was not born of typical sense. So, like, it, it makes the distinction a little bit different, but still there. But Sally and Poseidon bang. Yeah, <laughs> but Percy. they did, in fact, do that. Uh, see, I don't know. I I guess my thing with Rachel's character is the suddenness of Rachel's character. Yeah. Um, which we get a little bit more on her in the next book. So I, I yeah, think. I thought I thought which that... I the next book is what holds a lot of my perception of Rachel. So okay, that's fair. 
Um, also, I'm biased. I love Annabeth. Annabeth is one of my favorite characters in the series. But I will say in my reread, Annabeth has lost a little bit of favor in my mind. Yeah? Yeah. Um, and I think I, this book specifically, um, she's really, like, mean. <laughs> um, and it, it can be contributed to the fact that she's very jealous of Percy. Um not of Percy, but jealous because there are other girls in Percy's life that mm-hmm. aren't her. Um, I, th- I think that I, I think there's a little bit of a more tenuous connection. I think now we've sort of leaked into the the Annabeth talk. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're you're fine. Um, but I, uh, I I I think that it's while tenuous. I think that is sort of her. She is filled with hubris. She thinks that she can do everything best. So when she sees somebody, she goes, "Ugh, if if somebody's gonna be with Percy." I'm the best candidate for it. Right. And I don't know. And I, and her and Percy's relationship in my mind is more of like how, you know, how, best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, like what do you think of as a kid as like this person that you're going to fall in love with mm-hmm. as yeah. you get older, you know? Um, and I, I, I really like that trope. I am a huge fan of the best friends that fall in love trope. Um, but we see, like I said, we see a lot of jealousy from Annabeth in this book towards Rachel specifically. Annabeth suffers from a little bit like not the the not like other girls trope. Yeah, she is bit. so willing to put down Rachel in almost any opportunity she gets. She is very rude to Rachel about the fact that Rachel is just immortal. Like almost like she is trying to point out that she is not as good as Annabeth is. Yeah. And, but she just, the jabs she makes at her. And, of course, some of the hostility she has towards Percy in this book is heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not the not like the one from the Sea of Monsters where it was just, you know, Annabeth was mad at Percy, but not long enough to stay mad at him. Yeah. Where in this one, she dug her heels in and was pissed at Percy for a while. Um, I don't know. I just, but we do get to see more of the emotional turmoil that Annabeth is going through. Cause obviously this character that she is this person in her life that she's idolized for so long, mm-hmm. uh, both in the Daedalus and, uh, and then Luke, she sees Luke become Kronos and it crushes her, but she has to push it back, suppress it because there's more uses for her time than to be sad. I think mm-hmm. this is a girl who could really benefit from a good therapist. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you have anything to add on Annabeth's character in that? Uh, I don't think I got anything else on Annabeth. Uh, but I, I think I, I've liked Annabeth so far. Yeah. She's a little different in this book, but I don't think I have anything. I don't think it's I think, changed. My yeah, stance. I was gonna say I think everything here, the like the emotional differences we're seeing in Annabeth in this book, can directly be contributed to the shit that's happening around her. Yeah, that's. I think that's um, fair. Her, you know, the guy that basically helped raise her, turning. Um, and trying to lure her away, this like emphasis on her decision—that mm-hmm. um, her she's ultimately going to have to choose between which side of the war she's going to be on. Yeah, um, I think it's understandable that she's yeah. got a lot of emotional <laughs> turmoil happening, like happening here. And I think seeing Percy interact very like f- like overly friendly with another character, like just mm-hmm. you know. yeah. I also think I mean she's what. She would be fifteen in this book, so I think she's a little bit older than Percy, like a year, like a couple months older than Percy. Mm-hmm. She's like fourteen, fifteen. You're fourteen, fifteen years old. You're mean to the to the person that you think likes the person <laughs> you like. Like it makes sense. Like she is in fact still a child. Yeah. Like that kind of hust. Mm-hmm. It's the same anger I think we see Harry 
at Cho or at Cedric because of Cho mm-hmm. in in Goblet, but you know, to the bring that back there. Yeah. Um, our final character, of course, is Luke. Yes. Uh, so Luke, we've <sighs> talked about him before. However, uh, and and I think it's I think we all know that neither of us like Luke. Luke yes. But I think this book, and rather I think the series in general, is like doing some things that are strange for Luke that I am I'm not against. I I think that it is. It is setting him up as sort of somebody that is getting baited along, uh, like sort of just Pied Pipered uh, through his life right now. It's like he doesn't know what to do and he's getting manipulated and manipulated and manipulated in just doing something that he thinks he wants to do at this point. And which is also kind of the same thing that he was doing to everyone else. Um, and it's it's almost like and like all these bad things keep happening to Luke. And it's almost like you want to go, haha, yeah, I have a. I feel I, I feel better because you're not a good person, but at the same time, you kind of can't help but feel a little bad for him because he is a sort of like broken down character at this point. He's had to fully sacrifice his body to get possessed and taken over by Kronos as a vessel, and it's it's weird like the sort of like uh, the the bitter sweetness of what's happening to Luke, and not only that, but sort of like the cognitive dissonance that like not only uh, Percy is going through, but like the readers are going through of like. Do I like this guy? Do I feel bad for him? Am I glad that's happening? Right. Do I hate him? I don't know what's well, happening. And I think, here. and like you said, I think it's important to note that Percy doesn't know how to perceive. Mm-hmm. He obviously does not like Luke because Luke has broken the one thing that Percy values the most, which is like this trust and this loyalty. Um, you know, obviously Luke tried to manipulate Percy into play his bartering, and Percy didn't vibe with that at all, which is understandable. Um, but at the same time, I think Percy's perception of Luke is so grounded in Annabeth's perce- like perception of Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Percy kind of make that comment, like, Annabeth, why can't she just realize that he's awful, that he's literally betrayed her so many times? But at the same time, I don't think Percy's ever going to actually come to terms with the hatred he feel- feels towards Luke. Yeah. Because he knows if he did that, he'd, he'd upset Annabeth. And I think that his loyalty to Annabeth also outweighs that a little bit, too. Yeah. Yeah. MVPs and LVPs. <laughs> All right. We're uh, like point to point here. <laughs> Unless you have something to add about Luke. Nah, I'm good. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, sorry, I I misheard you. I thought you said one more thing to add about Luke, and I was I waiting said, for you to speak. You're like, ah, go go, and I was like, no, I was waiting on okay. you. <laughs> We're both staring at each other, like, <laughs> yeah, <Huh>? yeah. <laughs> um, I'll start with my LVP. I think. Yeah. Okay. Um. I I have we might have an overlap here I think because I think there uh, was I think there was one truly useless character in this yeah, book. Yeah, I think it's going to be the same one. Yeah, I'm going to I'm saying Hera for my Oh, never mind. No. Okay. Okay. Hera was useless. We mm-hmm. I've already I already had my little mini rant about how I, earlier I said like she was the <laughs> least important character in this and because mm-hmm. of that she's she's not very valuable. The only thing that she does to help is something that Hephaestus already told like uh, it like tells them later on. That's mm-hmm. the only link that he really gets for it. All she does is really like confuse them, possibly put them in a worse situation. She saves them from Janus, but like Janus but, like it wasn't that even wasn't confirmed that like, it was going to yeah. be anything yet. Yeah. Um. And I I really can't think of what she did. She gave them a sandwich, but even she gave that, Tyson so many peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah, but even then, like though it vanished while he was trying to take a bite, so that was kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a, basically a glorified like grandma that came in, but was also like kind of rude and, and snippy. Grandma, except it's the grandma that beats the shit out of you. Yeah. 
it's like it's like a, a grandmother from a side of the family you don't really vibe with as much yeah. or like there's like a like oh have a sandwich anyway i'm going to not pay attention to you now oh that sandwich there's arsenic in it mother <laughs> <laughs> her house is filled with asbestos asbestos <laughs> and cats <laughs> um. uh not a good mix there um but yeah so for that i think that's why she's my lvp she's bleh Originally, I was going to say Juniper, but then I was like, mm, let's check your misogyny and let's keep going here. Um, I am going to say Ethan. Okay. Um, for a different reason. I don't know that Ethan is not obviously useless to the plot. Like, I think he serves yeah. a very pivotal role. However, um, I think this is because I um, I don't like when when being indebted to people. I don't like when characters kind of go back on their debt. Um because Ethan, despite Percy saving him and telling him, why, why are you trying to commit loyal, like give your loyalty to this dude who's making you get killed for fun? You were just simply a pastime, a no-name pastime to this guy. Mm-hmm. And you're going to swear your allegiance to him just for Ethan to turn around and do exactly the things that Percy's like, are you stupid for doing this? And then yeah. he does it. I'll give you that. Um, Makes me really mad just because I'm it, it was heartbreaking, I guess is the the better term there. It's just it's upsetting that Ethan thinks the only thing in his life he can do is fight against the gods because mm-hmm. the gods have never seen him. It's a little ironic because he's the the son of Nemesis, which yeah. is the goddess of balance. so but yeah, that's my that's my LVP for this. that's that's fair. All right. you got your MVP? Yes, I do. All right, my MVP. After you die. No, sorry, my throat. My throat is dry. Um, my MVP in this, and I, th- I'm not sure. I think this might be the first time I've done this. My MVP is Percy. Okay. Um, I feel like he has he did a lot in this book, uh, for the betterment of both like the group and others. He was like really he was really pushing to get sort of um. You know what? Hold on. This sorry. Are you gonna switch it up? I think I'm gonna switch it up. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. I think I, I thought who you were gonna say. I okay. think I have a thought. Okay. Go for it. Scratch that. Take that out. Um, my MVP is gonna be Bianca. Oh, totally threw okay. me off there. Okay, keep going. <laughs> um, so Bianca, last book beefed it. I thought she was <laughs> completely. I'm pretty sure she's my LVP. I think she was your last, MVP for the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, she just eat Yoda right out yeah, of like. Yeah, she was just gone. Care and like, of Nico. Um, but it, that's that. Even that's kind of addressed in this. And like, obviously, just because it's your fatal flaw does not make it better. Right. But it, it 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 makes there a reason for these actions and uh, slightly explains them a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, I was I I also hold a grudge. That's my fatal flaw. I held a grudge against you, and it only took me dying to realize the like the importance of this. Uh, and not only is she like giving these connections, but she's trying to make up for what she did. She's trying to make it up by like signaling these Iris messages to Percy so that she can try to save Nico and bring him back to the side of good as soon as she can. And I think that that is, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought, I think it's really nice. And I think that not only without her, like coming to this sort of realization in her death, nothing no nico would still be out there i would say that uh percy wouldn't even be thinking about nico in that sort of way um, i mean i think he would have been trying to find him but he, he wouldn't have found him yeah, he would not have found him the only way he would have found him was if the plot continued the same that luke ended up finding mm-hmm. nico, but 
Um, oddly, on the very similar coin, my MVP is going to be Nico D'Angelo. Okay, there we go. Um, so just, D'Angelo, uh, right? <laughs> a D'Angelo fan cast, here. right? Um, yeah, this is actually a D'Angelo stan account <laughs> for both of them here. Um, not last week, but this week specifically. Um, I. I'm going to make Nico my MVP for kind of the reasons I talked about when talking about his character. Here's this kid who went from, you know, obviously he's been, first off, from the 1920s or, you know, whenever, yeah, I think 1920s, 30s, when he got thrown into the Lotus Hotel, into this brand new world. Um, His Mm -hmm. sister is yanked right out from underneath him. And then, of course, he's been forced to grow up. He feels like he doesn't belong anywhere. And even though... Percy is telling him, hey, like, you can belong at camp. We'll find a way to make you belong at camp. He's like, that's the point. You shouldn't have to find a way for me to belong. I should mm-hmm. be able to just belong. And I don't. I only belong along the dead. But at the same time, Nico is still willing to help Percy and take care and, like, do what he needs to do to kind of help the betterment of this, of the world that he is in now. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fact that Nico is just obviously starving all the time because – he is alone. He is completely <laughs> abandoned. Um, you know, of course, yes, he could go back to camp, but he'd be ostracized at camp. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows he's the son of Hades until after that battle. Um, and the, I just think that last scene that we see him in, he's like, oh, is that is that cake? And and Percy makes the comment that it sounds like he's starving. And mm-hmm. like, just, my heart just breaks for this kid who just has to grow yeah. up way too fast. So. He also has to sacrifice most of the food he has to talk to the ghosts. Right, he just keeps getting Happy Meals and he's like, oh, please just keep oh, talking yeah. to me, ghosts. It's like it's like when, yeah, like, I I wanted these McNuggets, but like, uh, gotta dump them into this dirty hole real also quick. Also, it's a little upsetting that, I mean, I, I mean, it probably doesn't help Nico's like, f- this feeling of being abandoned that Bianca won't answer him when mm-hmm. he tries to summon her ghost. He doesn't. She doesn't respond until Percy's standing with him, so mm-hmm. he so she can truly explain it to Nico. And so yeah, my heart breaks for Nico, and that's why he's my MVP. I think we see a lot of not growth for him, but explanation for why he is the way he is in this mm-hmm. one. So. Anyhow, <laughs> um, that is all for this week's episode. Next week we'll be finishing out the series. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Um, with Last Olympian. Uh, I don't know that we're sure if we're keeping on and going to Heroes of Olympus or not, but uh, I think we might be. We will let you know right. next That'll be next for week. Sure. That'll be next week's um, discussion. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. have been listening to The Classroom, a Unity 2 production. Feel free to tune into our parent station, 91.7 FM of Morgantown, West Virginia. There's going to be a new episode of The Classroom live on Unity 2 every Friday at 11 a.m. And if you are out of our terrestrial reach, feel free to stream Unity 2 at unity2themoose.com. Easy enough, right guys? On our homepage, not only will you be able to stream new alternative music, but you'll also be able to quickly find our podcast and many other great ones produced by some of our friends. Thank you guys so, so much for listening and catch you guys soon.